Welcome to this week's episode of the North Bible Church Podcast. Now, let's join our pastor as we open God's Word together. Well, there's a tip-off. We're going to talk about gratitude this morning. And now, uh, when we were in Poland uh, and serving young pastors trying to plant churches in former communist countries and in Eastern Europe, um, we talked about preaching. And uh, I shared with them my philosophy of preaching that, uh, you know, I'm not all that impressed with myself when it comes to preaching and uh, that my goal has always been uh, to invite people into my living room to talk about Jesus. Uh, That it's not to, you know, wow people with great oratory, it's not to try to preach the world's greatest sermon, but it's just simply to invite people into my living room and uh, as friends and to talk about Jesus together. And, and so as we approach this uh, summer series we're calling Summer Playlist, it's a great opportunity to sort of pick out some things that we wanna talk about, uh, some things that I feel like are on my heart to, to talk about and to express some things that maybe through the course of the year we don't get to. Uh, hopefully these are things that, that do come up though periodically. Last week we talked about what it means to have real rest. Uh, not just getting a nap, not just uh, getting refreshed, but finding rest for our souls. Uh, Jesus uh, invited us in, in Matthew uh, eleven twenty-eight to come to him, all you who are weary and heavy burdened, and he will uh, give you rest. It's his rest that we seek after. And so uh, we're, uh, look, we looked at that last week. And this Sunday, uh, this morning, we want to look at this idea of gratitude. I, I read a great uh, description of gratitude from uh, theologian Joel Green, who, who's written one of my favorite commentaries on the book of Luke. And here's what Joel Green says, gratitude is not simply being grateful or thankful for something that has already happened. It is opening the door to a much greater blessing than the Lord, that the Lord wants to give us. So this idea of gratitude, it's not just simply being happy or being grateful for something we've already been given, but, but a, a, an attitude and a heart of gratitude opens the door for God to do even more than we can imagine, even more uh, than we think. There was another great line I read that said, gratitude is like a window through which God's love shines through. And another word for gratitude that we'll use interchangeably this morning is thankfulness. Uh, How do we become thankful people? And and thankfulness by definition is someone who is pleased and relieved. That it's not just experiencing something that pleases me, but it's experiencing something that not only pleases, but it's also a relief. It uh, it also uh, relieves me. And so we're gonna look at this idea of gratitude this morning with, with maybe the idea that we forget, that we easily forget what it means to be grateful people, and I want to begin out of one of the gospel uh, accounts about Jesus, and out of the gospel of Luke, starting in chapter 17, and we're going to read verses 11 to 19. It says this in Luke 17, beginning in verse 11, on the way to Jerusalem, he was passing along between Samaria and Galilee, and as he entered a village, he was met by 10 lepers who stood at a distance and lifted up their voices saying, Jesus, Master, have mercy on us. 
I want to pause there for just a second because there's some really important uh, messages that are in the beginning of this story. The very first thing that we understand is that Jesus is on his way to Jerusalem, that it's important for to Luke that we know that Jesus is on his way to Jerusalem, that this isn't some random uh, walking around that he is doing, but he is uh, heading to a destination. And, and what do we know about this, this traveling to Jerusalem that Jesus did? We know that he is not just going going to Jerusalem, but Jesus is going to the cross, that he is making his final journey into Jerusalem, that, that's going to end with uh, being arrested and being betrayed and being mocked and, and scourged and finally being crucified, and then on the third day he's going to rise again. All of those events are about to take place because as Jesus is on his way to Jerusalem, and he knows what's in front of him, he knows what's happening, so it's important to have a context that even in spite of that, Here's how Jesus responds. And so he gets to this village. We don't get the name of the village. That's not a, apparently a huge factor for Luke. What he wants us to understand is that Jesus is approaching. He's on his way to Jerusalem. He's between Samaria, uh, which were considered half-breed Jews. They were despised and looked down on. And Galilee, which is a place that Jesus spent a lot of his time in ministry. He's going between these places. And as he approaches a village, the 10 lepers approach him. Uh, leprosy was, was one of the, maybe the most dreaded disease you could imagine in the first century. There was a lot of superstition and myth around the idea of leprosy. Uh, leprosy of itself was a disease that attacked your nervous system and it would destroy your nervous system so you couldn't feel anything. And so you might cut your hand, you might bruise yourself, and, and you wouldn't even feel it, you wouldn't even know it, but leprosy then, uh, after it killed your nervous system, would begin to destroy you from your extremities on end. And so you might have fingers that fall off, you, your face might get distorted, you might have other limbs that would fall off, they would eventually, uh, and it would eventually kill you. There was no cure for leprosy. Uh, what happens in the first century then is anybody that gets some kind of disease of the skin, they automatically called it leprosy and they put you in the same group as, as somebody that might have really had that disease. And you were considered an outcast, you were considered unclean, so you were no longer allowed to live in your village. You had to live outside in a leper colony with other lepers. Uh, you weren't allowed to go into the synagogue. You weren't allowed to sit down and have dinner with your family. You weren't allowed to have any kind of um, community, any kind of friendship with the people that you knew in your village, that you were a complete outcast, you were completely isolated, and we have this picture of Jesus. He's walking into a village just as he enters 10 lepers who don't dare come into the village. They, they, they call him from a distance, and, and I love this great Bible language that we have here because it says, uh, and when they saw, um, and when Jesus was coming, it says they lifted up their voices. That's great Bible language for they screamed at the top of their lungs. Jesus, master, have mercy on us. That was their cry. And, and here's the idea of mercy. Mercy is helping the helpless. Mercy is doing something for someone who can't do it for themselves. And, and they are calling out to Jesus Christ, calling him the master, saying, we are hopeless. We can't do anything about our condition. We can't save ourselves. We need a miracle. We need you. You're our last hope. And so they raise their voices. They scream out as loud as they can. Ask him, Jesus, please have mercy on us. And then if I was writing this, I would have, you know, it seems like there's a, there's a better story here, right? 
And then Jesus, filled with compassion, came and he hugged them and they, you know, and they cried and it was just like a great, but here's what Jesus does, totally different. Jesus says, when he saw them, he said to them, go and show yourselves to the priests. And as they went, they were cleansed. Jesus doesn't touch him. He doesn't say anything special. You know, there's no big prayer. He just simply says, now, I hear your cry. I hear your need for mercy. Go show yourselves to the priests. If you were living there in, that, in the first century, you would understand that the only person who could proclaim you clean, the only person who could give you a clean bill of health so that you would be allowed back in your village, back in the community, back in your home, back with your family would be a priest, that, that you had to present yourself to a priest, and if they pronounced you clean, then you were clean and everything was good again. And so Jesus simply says, go and present yourself to the priest. He, nothing else, and so they needed to trust him. They needed to have faith, and so as they went, it says, as the 10 of them went to present themselves to the priest, they realized we've had a miracle, that we've been cleansed. Now, here's where the story gets interesting for us. It says, then one of them, when he saw that he was healed, turned back, praising God with a loud, uh, with a loud voice, and he fell on his face at Jesus' feet, giving him thanks. And now he was a Samaritan. And then Jesus answered, then Jesus answered, were, uh, were there not ten cleansed? Where, where are the nine? Was no one found to return and give praise to God except this foreigner? And he said to him, rise and go your way. Your faith has made you well. So here, this 10 lepers receive this miracle. They're cleansed. Nine others continue to go toward the, the priest. That's kind of what they did. They were Jews. They understood the, the rules. They knew what they were supposed to do. But here was a Samaritan, considered a foreigner, considered an outcast. He couldn't even have gone to the synagogue to present himself. He was a Samaritan. He wouldn't have been allowed in. But what does he do? He turns around and he runs back to Jesus and he throws himself face first at the feet of Jesus and in his loud voice just like he cried before for mercy he cries out now in thanksgiving he thanks Jesus for this miracle for what's happened that he's been cleansed he's been healed and Jesus looks and said well weren't there ten of you where's the other nine and and I have this picture um, th th this is where we get involved in the story because we kind of we tend to be more like the nine you know, we, we know about Jesus' miracles and, and we've heard, you know, a lot of us have heard these stories in our lives. We're familiar with these stories about Jesus and, and so there's a tendency to sort of expect blessings in our lives and, and kind of feel like we're entitled to, to Christ's blessings in our lives because we're one of the good guys, for goodness sakes. We, we try hard. We do all the right things. And, and so things happen in our lives, and, and we continue on in our way. We continue on the direction that we're, we think we're supposed to go, and we don't take the time to come back and, and be grateful and be thankful and there was an interchange between Jesus and that 10th leper that day, that Samaritan, that was pretty powerful. It was an extra blessing that came along that day, and that's what I want to explore with you, because I, what I want to explore with us is, is the, difference between what it, the difference between having a grateful heart and feeling entitled, feeling like, oh, we deserve all of this, or, or just being forgetful and, and forgetting what God has really done for us. And, and so the Bible has lots to say about thanksgiving. The Bible has lots to say about gratefulness. And there are always three factors in becoming a grateful person. 
And, and we can learn about those through an old Latin word called bene. Uh, bene is this old Latin word that means good. And, uh, and there, are, there are several things that we can learn from this word good, from this word bene in the Latin, and we get lots of our words from this. But here's the first word that we get is benefit. That there's a point where we acknowledge the fact of the benefits that we've gotten from God. That we're reminded, that we remember that we've received great benefits in our lives. There's a wonderful Christian writer named Robert Roberts. I know, blame his parents for that. But he, um, Robert Roberts once said that there's a unique, uniquely Christian framework for gratitude. But it's important to know that gratitude, what gratitude is. Gratitude is the perception of good. You cannot manufacture gratitude by willpower even though a lot of people try. That gratitude isn't something that we do on our own, but gratitude is something that we recognize in our lives. It, it, it's something that we see that's happened for us and, and to us. Gratitude is a byproduct of a way of seeing things, of certain worldview. It always involves these three factors, these three bennies that will come. And the first one is benefit. In order for me to be grateful, I have to receive a gift. I must perceive it's a good thing for me to receive. And I find it favorable. I find it both pleasing and a relief in my life. The Bible has a lot to say about this. In fact, the first five verses of Psalm 103 reminds us, Praise the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all his benefits, who forgives of our sins and heals our diseases, who redeems your life from the pit and crowns you with love and compassion, who satisfies your desires with good things. The benefits that God offers us in our lives. Now, you should be writing all this stuff down because God does all of these things for us. And don't forget the benefits. Our lives are filled with benefits from God and we're blind to most of them, but gratitude requires that we recognize them and know that they're good. That we recognize that we remember what God has done in our lives and we know that what he's done is good. Now the second factor, the second Benny in our lives is benefactor. Uh, benefactor. Benevolence means the will of the good, and a benefactor is the one who does good. So we have benefits in our lives, and then we're reminded of the one who does those, that good in our lives, that, that we have a benefactor, that we have a heavenly Father who loves us. To be grateful, you must believe not just in the benefits that are coming our way, but we also are reminded they don't come randomly, they don't come by accident, that there's a God who loves us, who provides those benefits in our lives. If I'm to be a grateful person, I must believe that about God. And the writers of the Bible were convinced that God is the great benefactor, that our heavenly Father is our great benefactor. James says this, makes this statement in the first chapter of his book. He says, don't be deceived, my dear brothers and sisters. Every good and perfect gift is from above, coming from the Father of heavenly lights. It's an expression of God's goodness in our lives. A good God exists and he is always giving to us. So we have benefits and we have the benefactor. And the third, the third element that contributes to our gratitude is beneficiary. We have the benefits, the benefactor, and the beneficiary. The one who benefits from a God who loves them. 
who has their best interests at heart. The beneficiary has a crucial facet and that for there to be gratitude, beneficiaries must believe that they're receiving something that they did not earn, that they're receiving a gift, um, uh, something that they didn't do on their own. Now, I read a great little article about a Major League Baseball team a few years ago that uh, was sued. Uh, they, they were sued for passing out Father's Day gifts to men only. A little bit of ingratitude, maybe. How about this one, though? A psychology professor sued, his university for, uh, sued the university for sexual harassment because of the presence of mistletoe at a Christmas party. And here's the third one. This is my favorite one my favorite little picture of ingratitude, it was a psychic uh, who was awarded $986,000 when a doctor's CAT scan impaired her psychic abilities. Okay, now you gotta wonder about a psychic that if they're really a psychic, why didn't they know that this could happen when they went to that doctor, right? right, But they got $986,000. You know, in a Christian framework, for us, ingratitude is not just a psychological problem. Uh, It's not just an impoverishment of my emotional responsiveness, but it's sin. God calls it sin. The Apostle Paul says that the hallmark, it's the hallmark of a life opposed to God. If you're a parent, you don't want to raise an ungrateful child, and God doesn't want his children to be ungrateful. Speaking about people living at a life opposed to God. Here's what the Apostle Paul says in Romans 1.21. It says this, for they, for although they knew God, they neither glorified him as God nor gave thanks to him, but their thinking became futile. That they perceived themselves as entitled. They perceived themselves as people who were owed the things that they got from God. They didn't see themselves as grateful receivers of grace at every moment, but they began to think that these were things that belonged to them. These were things that they deserved. And it's interesting that the Bible's word for ingratitude it generally is grumbling. The Bible's word for ingratitude is grumbling. Paul says that grumbling is the quintessential mindset of life without God. Have you ever heard, this is a rhetorical question, have you ever heard of a, a church person grumbling? Maybe. Maybe not. Uh, I, th- I probably have. You can be lured away from God by grumbling quicker than almost anything else. And God takes this really seriously. Paul heard about a spirit of complaint and grumbling at the church of Corinth, and so he wrote to them about how Israel had grumbled when they were in the wilderness. And and God had been good to the Israelites. He gave them freedom from Egypt. He took care of them. He gave them the Ten Commandments. He led them to the Promised Land. And then they grumbled in response. They weren't grateful. They felt entitled. And Paul uh, says that the church in Corinth had become like that. And in 1 Corinthians 10.10, he says this, And do not grumble as some of them did and were killed by the destroying angel or the destroyer in some translations. Wait a minute. Let me... Let's look at this again, okay? 1 Corinthians 10, 10. Now, I'm just reading the Bible here, okay? And do not grumble as some of them did and were killed by the destroying angel. So, so how many of you who've grumbled a little bit maybe are a tiny bit worried right now? The, the truth is the grace of God, we never get what we deserve. But we experience God's grace and his love for us. We experience his caring. And gratitude leads to a life of blessing. 
You know, Jesus knew what it was like to live in gratitude. He, his way of life can teach us how, how to run a great experiment, how to give our lives. Every devout uh, Jewish person was devoted to two forms of daily prayer. Um, you know, Jesus' disciples at one point, they saw him pray so often, and they saw him pray so much that they asked him, Lord, teach us to pray. And we've spent eight weeks walking through the Lord's Prayer that Jesus said, when you pray, pray like this. And he gave them some guidelines. He gave them, uh, here's how your prayer can look. Here's some ways that you can learn to pray. And so they would pray the Lord's Prayer. In fact, in the first century, they would pray the Lord's Prayer three times a day. If you're in Jerusalem, you would go to the temple and you would pray the Lord's Prayer three times a day. If you weren't in Jerusalem, you would look toward Jerusalem and you would pray the Lord's Prayer three times a day. But even prior to that, they prayed what they called the 18. Now, maybe or maybe not, maybe you've never heard of this, but they, it's actually called the 18 benedictions. And that they would, the Israelites would pray the 18 benedictions three, three times a day. Uh, and all of those benedictions, all of the, that they prayed always started uh, it always started with, blessed are you, Lord. Blessed are you, Lord, who have given us life. Blessed are you uh, who abundantly forgives. Uh, blessed are you who protects your children. And it would always start, there were 18 benedictions, and they would always start with, blessed is the Lord. Always in a heart of gratitude. And, and so three times a day, if you were an Israelite, you would stop and pray the 18 benedictions. And if you're in Jerusalem, again, you would go to the temple. If, if you weren't in Jerusalem, you would turn and face Jerusalem. Or if you were directionally challenged like me, you would wait till other people turned and faced Jerusalem and then you would turn and face Jerusalem. But you would pray the 18 benedictions three times a day. And then there's one other thing that they prayed three times a day, and that comes from Deuteronomy, the sixth, sixth chapter. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your strength, because God is the great benefactor, and we are the beneficiaries of his grace. And three times a day, they would turn, face the Holy of Holies, face Jerusalem, and pray that prayer. The Shema, it's called in Hebrew. And God invites us to have that same kind of heart. Blessed are you who sustains the living and raises the dead. They were training for gratitude. They loved doing this because the good life involves gratitude. And gratitude doesn't come when you have more stuff. That's the, that's the insane folly uh, of our day. Gratitude comes when you see reality, that all the benefits come from a wonderful benefactor of which we have been given the grace-given ability to be beneficiaries of his love, of his grace for us. And so there are benefits and there's a benefactor and we are the beneficiaries of God's love and God's grace. It's not something that we deserve. It's not something that we've done. It's not something that we're entitled to, but it's God's incredible love. So you can imagine when we began to think differently, when we began to recognize that the benefits in our lives come from a God who loves us, from our benefactor, Father. And we are the beneficiaries of his grace and his love in our lives that we then become grateful people and something happens in our lives when we become grateful people. 
Something changes in us when we become grateful people. Psalm 24 says the earth is uh, the Lord's and the fullness thereof. Everything is a gift that God has given us the air we breathe. He's given us the ground that we walk on. All of those good things come from God. We were having a discussion as staff yesterday uh, and somebody asked the question, what, what do you guys, what's the best, Whataburger or In-N-Out? Seriously, we're scratching our heads, we're thinking about it because in a world that's filled with quinoa and kale, I just think it's a blessing that we have either one. I'm sort of all about double-doubles either way. Whataburger, in and out, I'm good. Throw in a chocolate shake and I might just pass out from joy, you know. Be grateful. Sit down and say, Lord, thank you for the double-double. You know, rabbis, rabbis in ancient times would argue about how much time someone had in which to give thanks, and so they would, they would have great debates about, okay, if you forgot to say thanks for a meal, how far could you get down the road, and, and then, it, you know, and before you felt like, okay, I don't really need to turn back, because they would, some of them would say, no, if you're a day away, uh, if you've walked it that far and you forgot to say grace, you have to go back to that place and give thanks so that we don't forget to be, uh, to be grateful people. Here was one of my favorites that they said, uh, that the rabbis would say, the teachers would say, never Never do the 18 benedictions on top of a donkey because you've placed yourself too high. That you need to be on the ground standing before the Lord because you, you don't want to place yourself above everybody else. So you, you aren't allowed to do the 18 benedictions on a donkey because that puts you too high. That it's about who is our benefactor. It's about giving gratitude to God. And so they have all these great discussions about it, but it was because it was really important to them there was a study, a, in fact, an author wrote a book, uh, Dr. Jeffrey Froh wrote a book called Making Grateful Kids. And listen to what he says. He summarizes his team's research on the benefits of gratitude among adolescents. We found that grateful young adolescents ages uh, 11 to 13, compared to their less grateful counterparts, are happier, are more optimistic, have better social support from friends and family, are more satisfied with their school, family, community, friends, and themselves, and give more emotional support to others. They're also physically healthier, report fewer physical symptoms such as headaches, stomach aches, and runny noses. We've also found that grateful teens ages 14 to 19, compared to less grateful teens, are more satisfied with their lives, use their strengths to better their community, are more engaged in their schoolwork and hobbies, have higher grades, and are less envious, depressed, and materialistic. Gratitude really does matter. And before we can train our kids in gratitude, we have to train ourselves in what it means to be a grateful person. And gratitude can show up in imperfection. In particular, we're to bless God for people. And the scripture says, all people, bless your enemies, bless those who persecute you. Uh, that we're to live with a, an, an, uh, with a heart of gratitude because here's what we know about God, that God works all things to the good. And even when we look at things on the surface and they, we think, how can this happen? Why did this happen? That we know that we have trust in, a, in our God who loves us, that somehow he can turn that, that we'll look back someday and see the hand of God. We'll look back someday and see how God met us in that moment of crisis, that we'll see the benefit, we'll see what it means 
means to be grateful and trust the Lord. That we, always don't, we don't always see it in the very beginning, but we have confidence and faith in God who loves us. God can help us love that way. That love, that, I mean, sorry, but gratitude doesn't mean that things are always perfect, but it means we always trust a perfect God. That our confidence is built on him. One rabbi said, only God knows for sure what will turn out to produce good. And a lot of times I'll go through something hard, painful, bad, and I'll wish I didn't have to go through it, and then I'll look back and I'll say, oh God, I am so grateful that I didn't miss that. I'm so grateful that I didn't miss that lesson, because I sure tried. We owe our ultimate gratitude for God's ultimate gift. Here's what Colossians 3, verses 15 and 17 say. And let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, to which indeed you were called in one body, and be thankful. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly, teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom, singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs with thankfulness in your hearts, and whatever you do in word or deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. We're glad for our friends, for our house, for our cars, for our money, our success, all of that that comes in our way. But our absence of gratitude, our attitude of gratitude is so pronounced sometimes in our lives when we don't thank God for all of the benefits that he's offered us. So I have a couple of, um, well, it depends on kind of your theology. So you can call it an assignment if that works for you, or you can call it an encouragement, if that works for you. But I've got two things that I'd like you to consider this week, and and here's the first one. Write a gratitude letter. Write a gratitude letter. Think about someone in your life that, that you owe a debt of gratitude, that you're grateful for, somebody that's had an impact on your life. And what would it feel like, what would it be like to send them a letter simply thanking them for their impact? for how they've blessed your life. And so one exercise as we cultivate this idea of gratitude might be to write a gratitude letter to someone who's had a real impact on our lives, who has blessed us in, um, in ways that maybe we've never shared, shared with them. Here's, a, here's the second thing I'd like you to think about. And that's simply to pray your own benedictions. Now it may feel a little overwhelming to you know, write out 18 benedictions. It might, you know, frighten some of you. But what if we wrote five? What, what, what if we wrote five benedictions, recognizing what God has done, thanking God for his benefits, for his blessings in our life, acknowledging him as the benefactor and us as the beneficiary of his grace, of his love? What if we thought of five things that we were grateful for. I was reading a secular author, Michael Hyatt, who was saying that every morning he journals gratitude, that he starts his day by writing down things that he is grateful for, writing down things that he's been blessed with because that sets his day up, that he goes into his day with a grateful attitude rather than an attitude of expectation of what everybody's gonna do for him, rather than an expectation of entitlement, that he goes into his day every day with a grateful heart because he's taken some time in the morning to write what we would call his benedictions. I read a great quote from Brennan Manning about gratitude, it's, here it is. It says, I believe 
that the real difference in, in the American church is not between conservatives and liberals, fundamentalists and charismatics, nor between Republicans and Democrats. The real difference is between the aware and the unaware. When somebody is aware of that love, the same love that the Father has for Jesus, that person is just spontaneously grateful. Cries of thankfulness become the dominant characteristic of the interior life, and the byproduct of gratitude is joy. We're not joyful and then become grateful, but we are grateful, and that makes us joyful. Would you pray with me, please? Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you for the reminder that, Lord, you, you desire for us to be grateful people, not people that just assume the best, not people that just try harder to be grateful, but, Lord, people that recognize the benefits that we have from being followers of Jesus. That, that recognize our great benefactor, our Heavenly Father who loves us, and Lord, that we are the beneficiaries of your grace, of your love, of your provision of all good things. Lord, give us the presence of mind to appreciate all that you've done. Give us grateful hearts, Lord. And Lord, we acknowledge, we recognize that the, that the, the benefit of that even will be a joyful heart. Uh, and so, Lord, we want to receive that from you this morning, and we want to receive that from you with thanksgiving and with praise. In Jesus' name, amen. In just a moment, we'll rejoin our pastor for today's closing thoughts. But first, we wanted to thank you for tuning in. North Bible Church is located in Scottsdale, Arizona, and exists to equip all generations to love God, love one another, and love the world. For more information about North, please visit our website at northbiblechurch.com. Now, some closing thoughts from our pastor. That's another great byproduct of a heart of gratitude is that when trials come, when difficulties come, our heart's not shaken because we're pressed into Jesus. Um, we have our prayer partners in the corner. They'd love to pray with you if you're here this morning and you need prayer. I want to invite you to stop there. And then also our prayer table um, you can write your prayer requests down and we uh, will be praying with you. We'll start tomorrow morning praying through all those requests. And, and uh, some of you have put requests before uh, on there and um, uh, we can keep praying for them or you can say, no, stop, things are so good. Don't pray anymore and we'll do that for you too, okay? Um, but here, here's my prayer. Uh, but maybe some of us that the Lord would move on some of us to write a, a, a gratitude letter that we'd write a letter to somebody who's had an impact on our lives that maybe they're totally not expecting. And we don't know that this might be a time when they just need that encouragement and, and, and that bit of gratitude. So think about that and then also to uh, do your 18 benedictions, to start writing down some things that you're grateful for, that, that God has blessed you with, that the great benefactor Father uh, has made you the beneficiary of. And, and that would be grateful. And here's, here's a little bit how to think about that. Think about this way. Remember, think, and give thanks. Remember what God has done and his faithfulness. Think about how great those gifts are, that what God has done for us, and then give thanks for those. I am very thankful for you, and I love you guys. God bless you. Have a great day. Thank you for joining us for this week's message. North Bible Church is located in Scottsdale, Arizona, and exists to equip all generations to love God, love one another, 
and love the world. For more information about North, please visit our website at northbiblechurch.com.